This is Chapter 7 of Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. Chapter 7 She Delivers the Divine Command. I heard my name called. It was Joan's voice. It startled me, for how could she know I was there? I said to myself, It is part of the dream. It is all dream, voice, vision, and all. The fairies have done this. So I crossed myself and pronounced the name of God to break the enchantment. I knew I was awake now and free from the spell, for no spell can withstand this exorcism. Then I heard my name called again, and I stepped at once from under cover, and there indeed was Joan, but not looking as she had looked in the dream. For she was not crying now, but was looking as she had used to look a year and a half before, when her heart was light and her spirits high. Her old-time energy and fire were back, and a something like exaltation showed itself in her face and bearing. It was almost as if she had been in a trance all that time and had come awake again. Really, it was just as if she had been away and lost and was come back to us at last, and I was so glad that I felt like running to call everybody and have them flock around her and give her welcome. I ran to her excited and said, "'Ah, Joan, I've got such a wonderful thing to tell you about. You would never imagine it. I've had a dream.' and in the dream I saw you right here where you are standing now, and—but she put up her hand and said, It was not a dream. It gave me a shock, and I began to feel afraid again. Not a dream, I said. How can you know about it, Joan? Are you dreaming now? I—I I suppose not. I, I think I am not. Indeed you are not. I know you are not. And you were not dreaming when you— cut the mark in the tree. I felt myself turning cold with fright, for now I knew of a certainty that I had not been dreaming, but had really been in the presence of a dread something not of this world. Then I remembered that my sinful feet were upon holy ground, the ground where that celestial shadow had rested. I moved quickly away, smitten to the bones with fear. Joan followed and said, "'Do not be afraid. Indeed there is no need. Come with me.' We will sit by the spring, and I will tell you all my secret. When she was ready to begin, I checked her and said, First, tell me this. You could not see me in the wood. How did you know I cut a mark in the tree? Wait a little. I will soon come to that. Then you will see. But tell me one thing now. What was that awful shadow that I saw? I will tell you. But do not be disturbed. You are not in danger. It was the shadow of an archangel, Michael, the chief and lord of the armies of heaven. I could but cross myself and tremble for having polluted that ground with my feet. You were not afraid, Joan? Did you see his face? Did you see his form? Yes, I was not afraid, because this was not the first time. I was afraid the first time. When was that, Joan? It is nearly three years ago now. So long. Have you seen him many times? Yes, many times. It is this, then, that has changed you. It was this that made you thoughtful, and not as you were before. I see it now. Why did you not tell us about it? It was not permitted. It is permitted now, and soon I shall tell all. But only you now. It must remain a secret for a few days still. Has none seen that white shadow before but me? No one. It has fallen upon me before, when you and others were present, but none could see it. 
Today it has been otherwise, and I was told why, but it will not be visible again to any. It was a sign to me, then, and a sign with a meaning of some kind? Yes, but I may not speak of that. Strange, that that dazzling light could rest upon an object before one's eyes and not be visible. With it comes speech, also. Several saints come, attended by myriads of angels, and they speak to me. I hear their voices, but others do not. They are very dear to me, my voices. That is what I call them to myself. Joan, what do they tell you? All manner of things, about France, I mean. What things have they been used to tell you? She sighed and said, Disasters, only disasters and misfortunes and humiliation. There was naught else to foretell. They spoke of them to you beforehand? Yes, so that I knew what was going to happen before it happened. It made me grave, as you saw. It could not be otherwise. But always there was a word of hope, too. More than that, France was to be rescued and made great and free again. But how and by whom, uh, that was not told. Not until today. As she said those last words, a sudden deep glow shone in her eyes, which I was to see there many times in after-days when the bugle sounded the charge, and learned to call it the battle-light. Her breast heaved, and the color rose in her face. But to-day I know. God has chosen the meanest of his creatures for this work, and by his command, and in his protection, and by his strength, not mine, I am to lead his armies, and win back France, and set the crown upon the head of his servant, that is, Dauphin, and shall be king. I was amazed, and said, You, Joan, you, a child, lead armies? Yes, for one little moment or two the thought crushed me, for it is as you say, I am only a child, a child and ignorant, ignorant of everything that pertains to war, and not fitted for the rough life of camps and the companionship of soldiers. But those weak moments passed, they will not come again. I am enlisted. I will not turn back, God helping me, till the English grip is loosed from the throat of France. My voices have never told me lies. They have not lied to-day. They say I am to go to Robert de Baudricourt, governor of Vaucouleurs, and he will give me men-at-arms for escort and send me to the king. A year from now a blow will be struck which will be the beginning of the end, and the end will follow swiftly." where will it be struck? My voices have not said, nor what will happen this present year, before it is struck. It is appointed me to strike it, that is all I know, and follow it with others, sharp and swift, undoing in ten weeks England's long years of costly labor, and setting the crown upon the Dauphin's head, for such is God's will. My voices have said it, and shall I doubt it? No, it will be as they have said, for they say only that which is true. These were tremendous sayings. They were impossibilities to my reason, but to my heart they rang true. And so, while my reason doubted, my heart believed, believed and held fast to the belief from that day. Presently I said, Joan, I believe the things which you have said, and now I am glad that I am to march with you to the great wars, that is, if it is with you I am to march when I go. She looked surprised, and said, It is true that you will be with me when I go to the wars, 
but how did you know i shall march with you and so also will jean and pierre but not jacques all true it is so ordered as was revealed to me lately but i did not know until to-day that the marching would be with me or that i should march at all how did you know these things i told her when it was that she had said them but she did not remember about it so then i knew that she had been asleep or in a trance or an ecstasy of some kind at that time she bade me keep these and other revelations to myself for the present and i said i would and kept the faith i promised none who met joan that day failed to notice the change that had come over her she moved and spoke with energy and decision there was a strange new fire in her eye and also a something wholly new and remarkable in her carriage and in the set of her head this new light in the eye and this new bearing were born of the authority and leadership which had this day been vested in her by the decree of god and they asserted that authority as plainly as speech could have done it yet without ostentation or bravado this calm consciousness of command and calm unconscious outward expression of it remained with her thenceforth until her mission was accomplished like the other villagers she had always accorded me the deference due my rank but now without word said on either side she and i changed places she gave orders not suggestions i received them with the deference due a superior and obeyed them without comment in the evening she said to me i leave before dawn no one will know it but you i go to speak with the governor of vaucouleurs as commanded who will despise me and treat me rudely and perhaps refuse my prayer at this time i go first to buret to persuade my uncle laxart to go with me it not being meet that i go alone i may need you in vaucouleurs for if the governor will not receive me i will dictate a letter to him and so must have some one by me who knows the art of how to write and spell the words you will go from here to-morrow in the afternoon and remain in vaucouleurs until i need you i said i would obey and she went her way you see how clear a head she had and what a just and level judgment she did not order me to go with her no she would not subject her good name to gossiping remark she knew that the governor being a noble would grant me another noble audience but no you see she would not have that either a poor peasant girl presenting a petition through a young nobleman how would that look she always protected her modesty from hurt and so for reward she carried her good name unsmirched to the end i knew what i must do now if i would have her approval go to vaucouleurs keep out of her sight and be ready when wanted i went the next afternoon and took an obscure lodging the next day i called at the castle and paid my respects to the governor who invited me to dine with him at noon of the following day he was an ideal soldier of the time tall brawny gray-headed rough full of strange oaths acquired here and there and yonder in the wars and treasured as if they were decorations he had been used to the camp all his life and to his notion war was god's best gift to man he had his steel cuirass on and wore boots that came above his knees and was equipped with a huge sword and when i looked at this martial figure and heard the marvellous oaths and guessed how little of poetry and sentiment might be looked for in this quarter i hoped the little peasant girl would not get the privilege of confronting this battery but would have to content herself with the dictated letter 
I came again to the castle the next day at noon, and was conducted to the great dining-hall, and seated by the side of the governor at a small table which was raised a couple of steps higher than the general table. At the small table sat several other guests besides myself, and at the general table sat the chief officers of the garrison. At the entrance door stood a guard of halberdiers in morion and breastplate. As for talk, there was but one topic, of course, the desperate situation of France. There was a rumor, someone said, that Salisbury was making preparations to march against Orléans. It raised a turmoil of excited conversation, and opinions fell thick and fast. Some believed he would march at once, others that he could not accomplish the investment before fall, others that the siege would be long and bravely contested. But upon one thing all voices agreed, that Orléans must eventually fall, and with it France. With that the prolonged discussion ended, and there was silence. Every man seemed to sink himself in his own thoughts, and to forget where he was. This sudden and profound stillness, where before had been so much animation, was impressive and solemn. Now came a servant, and whispered something to the governor, who said, "'Would talk with me?' "'Yes, Your Excellency.' "'Hm. A strange idea, certainly. Uh, bring them in.' It was Joan and her uncle Laxart. At the spectacle of the great people, the courage oozed out of the poor old peasant, and he stopped midway and would come no further, but remained there with his red nightcap crushed in his hands, and bowing humbly here, there, and everywhere, stupefied with embarrassment and fear. But Joan came steadily forward, erect and self-possessed, and stood before the governor. She recognized me, but in no way indicated it. There was a buzz of admiration, even the governor contributing to it, for I heard him mutter, "'By God's grace, it is a beautiful creature!' He inspected her critically a moment or two, and then said, "'Well, what is your errand, my child?' "'My message is to you, Robert de Baudricourt, governor of Vaucouleurs, and it is this, that you will send and tell the Dauphin to wait and not give battle to his enemies.' for God will presently send him help. This strange speech amazed the company, and many murmured, The poor young thing is demented. The governor scowled and said, What nonsense is this? The king, or, or the dauphin, as you call him, needs no message of that sort. He will wait. Give yourself no uneasiness as to that. What further do you desire to say to me? This to beg that you will give me an escort of men-at-arms, and send me to the Dauphin. What for? That he may make me his general, for it is appointed that I shall drive the English out of France, and set the crown upon his head. What? You? Why, you are but a child. Yet am I appointed to do it nevertheless. Indeed. And when will all this happen? Next year he will be crowned and after that will remain master of France. There was a great and general burst of laughter, and when it had subsided the governor said, "'Who has sent you with these extravagant messages?' "'My lord.' "'What lord?' "'The king of heaven.' Many murmured, "'Ah, poor thing, poor thing!' And others, "'Ah, her mind is but a wreck.' The governor hailed Laxart and said, "'Harky!' Take this mad child home and whip her soundly. That is the best cure for her ailment. As Joan was moving away, she turned and said with simplicity, 
you refuse me the soldiers i know not why for it is my lord that has commanded you yes it is he that has made the command therefore i must come again and yet again then i shall have the men-at-arms there was a great deal of wondering talk after she was gone and the guards and servants passed the talk to the town the town passed it to the country Tom Remy was already buzzing with it when we got back. End of chapter 7